Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Well, good morning. My name is John Adams, lead pastor here at the Vine, and uh, just have a great group of elders and pastors that, to work with. So good morning. And uh, it's so good to be with you. And uh, hey, I wondered if you guys have heard of a singer named Johnny Cash. <laughs> I guess you have. Okay. And uh, Johnny Cash, you know, he has the lyrics from one of his songs that read this way. You are so heavenly minded that you are no earthly good. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I know we all want to be earthly good. We want to make a difference in this world. And so that, these lyrics aren't exactly biblical, right? <laughs> but, uh, but you know what? I know so few people, including myself, as we struggle to be heavenly minded. I, I, I probably don't know too many people, maybe a handful or less, that I would say that they really are regularly heavenly minded. And I wonder why that's the case, because I struggle with that myself. Because it's so easy for us to just have our focus on things of the earth. Our jobs, our family, our work, our finances, our kids, our houses, our, our, our reputations. You know, whatever it is, we all struggle with this. And so this is like common to, the, to each one of us. But today, from God's word, he's going to encourage us, Paul, the apostle, that we can grow in being even more heavenly minded. And that's actually a good thing. And I think, honestly, if you get charged this week with being so heavenly minded, you're no earth of good. I think that's, will you let me know, please? I think that's something to be really, really proud, <laughs> proud of in Christ. But uh, Paul writes to us about thinking about our future home in heaven. And here's a summary of a few clips of what you're going to hear about what he teaches um, in today's passage. First of all, he says this, I strain forward to what lies ahead. I then press on toward the goal of the upward call of God. He says this, this is pretty radical. I don't set my mind on earthly things. Wow. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior. You see, in our passage today, we're going to see that life is like a race, and the way to not just get to the end and the finish, actually, we're all going to finish, we're all going to, Jesus is going to return, or we're all going to die, right? Is that true? Yeah. But the, what Paul is saying here is, as we can focus on Jesus and our future hope, we can actually finish well the race of life. And so uh, I just want to encourage us to, to all grow in this. Um, you know, years ago, I remember hearing the, the quote by C.S. Lewis. He said, those who think about the next life accomplish the most in this life. And again, I don't take that as a performance quote that, you know, 
just look to heaven and then you're going to do a lot of stuff. I think he's saying there is the, that God does honor people who truly are looking to him in heaven and are truly looking forward to our future hope with him. So that's what we're going to look at in this passage today. And if you would turn in your Bibles as we continue our series of becoming confident in Christ, uh, we're in Philippians chapter 3 and in verse 12. And if you will stand with me, if you are able, we do this so that we uh, want to glorify God and say, God, we also give great honor to your word. This is God's word. Philippians 3.12, not that I have already obtained this or I am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join me in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. This is God's glorious word. Praise be to his name. Amen. You may be seated. So last week, Garrison Young taught from Philippians 3, and in verse 10, he reminded us that this, that I, that I may, Paul says, that I may know him and the power of the resurrection. And today we're going to kind of continue this idea of knowing Jesus and looking to him, especially in, in our, as our future hope in heaven. And we're going to see a couple things today in this passage. One, we're going to see these two broad concepts to grow in this present life. Growing and knowing Jesus right now is called, do you guys know the theological term? It's called sanctification. Very fancy term. And then, uh, and then he says, secondly, in this passage, to look to that future day where we will be fully known and uh, fully know him, Jesus, and be fully known by him. He calls that what? Glorify. I heard that. Good job. Glorification. That's right. So first of all, we're going to look at this from this passage is that we grow in knowing Jesus, our promise and our prize. 
You see, in verses 12 through 16, Paul is describing the Christian life. It's what we call around here our vision. It's a journey to flourish in God's grace. And the reason why we press on in life's race and the reason why we can is because Jesus, as we look to him, is both the promise that will help us to live well, and he's the prize at the end of our lives. So what does press on in verse 12 and 14 mean? Remember, uh, we use a Bible study method around here called comma, and it's an acronym. The first couple letters mean C, context, O, observation. So in this passage, I observed verse 12 and 14 twice. It uses this phrase, press on. And press on is, is an athletic term. It's picturing, you know, a runner in a long, long race. It's not about a sprinter. You know, you think about normally those, those guys that are fast and the race is done. But this is talking about a long race, maybe a marathon, maybe like an Ironman competition. It's a long, arduous race. And the goal is not just to finish, but it's actually to finish well glorifying God throughout your life, making God the biggest, most important thing in your life, in your heart. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says it a little differently. He says, when you get to heaven, you get this imperishable wreath. You know, in, in ancient Roman times, in the Olympics, the winner of the race would win a little temporary wreath they would put on their heads. And they would be exalted and honored by everyone around them. But here, God's word says, we who follow Jesus, not because of our works, we get an imperishable wreath. It will last forever. You will be honored forever by God. Who deserves that? Anyone here? <laughs> Only but for the work of Jesus. Will we receive this imperishable wreath? And you know what? We think about this life, and often when I hear the word press on, and I've heard Christians both in my family and in churches talk about it. Press on, man. Press on. Press on for Jesus' sake. And what it feels like to me normally is something like this. I've just got to work harder. I've got to just put my nose down, right, and go for it, right? Just keep pressing on. Just Push through the pain and you'll be okay. Kind of like a stoical, like hold on kind of concept. But it's not that. And it's not also this. Press on to some people are like, Jesus got it. He's got it. He's going to do all the work. I don't have to do a thing. Yay. Grace. I love grace. But you see, press on is neither of those. It's not, either, it's not drivenness or striving, and neither is it abandonment of the work and obedience that God calls us to. Press on here means this, and this, I grow in knowing Jesus now as I look to him as my future hope. Again, he is both the promise that I will get there and the prize I get at the end of the race. You know, you remember that heaven will be a great place and space where we get to know Jesus without any hindrance of sin. Does anyone know what that's going to feel like? That is going to be amazing. 
You know, and, and remember, when sin entered into the world, sin messed everything up. You know, and if I'm thinking about, even in the church, we got so much things that it's so easy to get things messed up. But there will be a day, church, family, there will be no more sin. Because Jesus came, he died, he took your sin punishment for you. And he promises there is a heaven, it is real, and we will know him forever without any hindrance of sin. Does anyone want to get there? I know my dad, 88 years old, wants to get there. He tells me, but wouldn't it be cool if we've got 40, 30-year-olds, 20-year-olds, and even children that start to say, I will, I'm loving thinking and dreaming about heaven and being with our God. See, Paul goes on in this passage and he makes these incredible, humble admissions. Verse 12, look at it. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. You see what Paul's saying? He's saying, I'm not perfect. Remember who Paul is. Man, this, I don't know, this kind of intimidates me. How about you? If Paul isn't perfect, I know I'm not perfect. And he's saying in his own work, in his own effort, in his own attainment, he's not done in this race of life. He still struggles with sin. You know, and, and, and this could be hard for you to think about because, I mean, you might even bring up for some of you th thoughts of like, man, I, are our lives, I'm required to perform in almost every area my, between my, in my marriage, in my work, in my, even in my neighborhood covenants. I mean, everything. I'm, you can be struggling with this. But Paul says, I have not obtained this and I'm not perfect. I had an elder a um, couple weeks ago to say to me, John, I am so glad God does not require me to be perfect. How about you? Anyone glad? Yes. But he goes on because he, he says this, we can grow because of Jesus' work, even in our struggles with sin. Philippians 3.12 goes on. He says, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Verse 12 again says, Jesus has made me his own. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have a brand new identity. You are looking at, as 2 Corinthians 5 says, 17, a new creation. You, you are now, you've entered out of the kingdom of darkness and he has brought you taken hold of you and brought you into his kingdom of light. You have a new identity in Christ and you are his because he has not only chosen you, he has pursued you. And look at church, you've got to remember this. He will never let go of you. Even in your hardest moments, even in your toughest days, even when you feel like, I've betrayed you, God. He says, I cannot be faithless. I cannot deny my own and you are mine. Isn't that so good? 
How gracious and great is our God and his grace. Paul teaches in verse 13, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, meaning in my own work, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, forgetting what is behind. What lies behind, forget. What does that mean? Forget the earthly stuff. Like the thoughts of, I have to be independent and save myself. That's earthly thinking. But he says, I strain forward. Which I think it's talking about some about the heavenly mindedness. Looking to Christ and saying, Jesus, as it says here, you are the Savior I desperately need you in saying that to him constantly. Not just when you become a Christian, but every day of your, your life as a Christian that you constantly say, Jesus, I want to forget my earthly thinking, my own self-savior kind of tendencies, and I want to, I want to strain forward, looking forward to my future hope and salvation in you over and over again. He says, I go, verse 14, I press on. There it is again. Toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What's the prize? What's the prize? Jesus is the prize. Jesus, we've seen, is both the promise and the prize. This is what we've sang about this morning. There's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you. Do you believe it or are you just mouthing the words? Do you trust? There's nothing better than Jesus and him alone. And, and, and what I like about what Paul teaches here when he talks about forget and strain forward, and there could seem like there's more things you have to do, right? Well, there's not 20 or 30 or 40 or 1,000 things. God says, I require you to do all these things. Look what he's, how many things he were, he's saying, he's summarized. He says here, verse 13, look at it again. But what does he say? But one thing I do. You see, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to the future and pressing on are all variations of the same theme. It is all talking and teaching us that this, trusting Jesus his, and his work, that he will be the promise will get us to heaven and help us to finish well. That's what I need. In this world, we need this, guys, because there's so many frustrations and disappointments, Right? Jesus is the promise and he is the prize at the end of the race. But secondly, we see from this passage, look to heaven when we will fully know Jesus. And we see this in verses 17 through 21. 17 says, brothers, join me in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Isn't it wild that Paul says, I'm, I'm an example for you? And he says, there's others who are an example of, of, for you too. And he's, 
He's talking about a heavenly mindness of people who are looking forward to heaven and trusting in Jesus alone to be their very hope. You know, those are the kind of models we want, right? We, we don't want just like good moral people. You know, if you had, in, in today's world, I think sometimes Christians, we lower our sights too low. Even parents, think about it. If you have teenagers and you're like, I, if I could just get my kids to listen to music or go to concerts where it's good, wholesome, moral values, then life would be good, right? I'd pay a lot for those tickets for good moral musicians and singers if they could just go to that. But you see, that's not enough because Paul, before he became a Christian, was the most moral of people. He gave more money away. He was more, he memorized vast portions of the Bible. He was as moral as any of you and probably beyond you. I think he would claim this today in this place. He would say, even John, I'm more moral than you and you're the pastor. I don't like getting beat by even Paul. But here he would say, but, but Paul himself New and he's teaching, look, it's not about just good values, being a good person, because I was even that, and I was an enemy of the cross. He goes on, and see in verse 18, he says, For many of whom I have told you now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory in their shame and with Here it is, with minds set on earthly things. You see, way too many of us have fallen into an earthly mindedness. And we are finding our satisfaction or trying to find our satisfaction. Yes, we we are going to heaven. We are a child of God, but we are still striving for this earth to satisfy us. Church, it won't do it for you. Paul here is clearly teaching that we need a higher vision, that we need to raise our expectations, expectations of just seeing and being satisfied with things on earth will not not satisfy you. We'll see that in Philippians 4 in a few weeks. Notice what happens as a result of this. Again, the end is destruction. There's a deterioration. There's a struggle. And God doesn't want you to live this life of of placing your hopes in this earth, in this life. Are you just, are you living for just this life? You know, we, we, uh, our family had a great model of a godly, heavenly-minded woman in my mother-in-law, Carolyn Di Virgilio. I mean, she was a sinner. She told me her sin. She said, I struggle with anxiety all the time, John. I know my sin. But, man, I was so beautiful how she was constantly looking to heaven. Not throughout her life, but especially the closing days of her life. 
She was confident that God had her and that she knew God. And it was his work. And when she, she died, we, we were confident. She's with him in heaven. We were around her, weeping around her bed. Thank you, Jesus, for taking Mama Devi to be with you. And thank you, God, really. Some of you came to her memorial service or celebration of life. Thank you for her example of heavenly-mindedness. You see, uh, verse 20, Paul summarizes here. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to even to subject all things to himself. You see, in this life, we grow in being satisfied that Jesus is better than anything life this world has to offer. In heaven, we will be completely satisfied by Jesus. We will get a new body like himself. You know, I think about when after Jesus' death, his resurrection, he got this body, he walked through walls, he ate fish, he ascended to heaven. So I think many of those things we'll be a part of and be able to do with our glorified bodies. What is it going to be like exactly? I'm not sure, but it's going to be really good. Look, we all have lowly bodies, even the most fit of you in this room, the young and the strong, we have lowly bodies. But someday soon, for those of us who know Christ, we're going to be transformed and given those glorious bodies that look, that, that, that are like his glorious body. Wow, that is so good. You know, um, someone said, uh, Andrew Collins, when he was talking to him about my sermon, he said this phrase, he said, and I thought it was really important, he said, if you are following Christ, this life is the worst it is ever going to get. If you're following Christ, this life is the worst it's ever going to get. You know how much Christian, those of you who know him, how much we have to look forward to. <laughs> wow. You see, when we believe this, we will live expectantly with our citizenship in heaven. We will re realize that our primary loyalty is in heaven, not even our American citizenship. We will run this life of race of life differently when we realize this. And by the way, we live in a, in a wonderful country, and many of us are glad to be American citizens. But look, as you, you're primarily a Christ follower, and we have the privilege to be strengthened by our future hope, our saving God who is seated at the right hand of the Father, and who has poured out himself through his Holy Spirit into every one of our hearts who believe him. When we trust in him constantly, he changes us and he enables us 
to not just run the race, but to run well. And we will live with hope through all of our circumstances may be really hard. We will serve others when we least want to. Yes, we will have a different kind of sexuality. We're going to be talking about that with our students in a forum I'll share with you in just a few minutes. But we've got to live differently. We will care for people, especially when we don't want to care for them. We will love the Word of God. Do you love the Word of God? Are you hungering for the Word of God? God can give you that desire. It's not about your, you don't feel guilty about it. Ask Him to make you more heavenly minded, to trust Him. <laughs> your future hope, and it's crazy how He makes this Word come alive. You see, we will believe that Jesus is the prize at the end of the race and the promise that you will get there. Yeah, I'm not sure we want to get charged completely with, you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. I want to be earthly good. Yes. But look, church, Let's ask God to make us more heavenly minded, okay? Let's trust him in this together. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your work, Jesus. Thank you for this incredible passage. Jesus, you are so good. There's nothing better than you. And we praise you. We glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we turn our hearts and lives to communion, uh, both here uh, in person and online, I want to encourage you to take some moments to really reflect on this question. And I know you're tempted right now to grab your communion cups and open them. Just hold them. And think about this. What on earth are you looking to as your prize? What on earth are you looking to as your prize? I'm going to ask you to repent of that. Whatever that is. But that you will do the work in just a few moments to remember and think about what on earth are you looking to as your prize. Let's pray together in just a few moments of silent confession of our sin. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at The Vine CC. Have a great week.